Hi, and welcome to Is It My ADHD, the podcast about what it really feels like to have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. I'm Grace Timothy, and I'm a writer, and I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD until I was 37. I'd struggled with traits I now know to be ADHD all my life, but it wasn't until a routine hearing appointment with a doctor who happened to have ADHD himself that these traits were pieced together and it was suggested that I get referred for an assessment. Had it not been for that random moment with an audiologist, I'd still be undiagnosed now and still struggling, just like the two million women thought to have undiagnosed ADHD in the UK today. I want to better understand what ADHD feels like for women and non-binary people in whom ADHD is so often missed, thanks to the fact that the diagnostic criteria and research is all heavily skewed to the white male case study. I've therefore spoken to some incredible women about how ADHD affects their lives, exploring everything from friendship and work to dating and self-esteem. I've also pulled in some experts along the way to help us tackle the big questions from you and from my guests. Is it my ADHD when I ghost old friends, for example? Is it my ADHD when I break the photocopier at work? And is it my ADHD when I share nudes on Instagram? My hope is that we can spread awareness of ADHD in women and non-binary people, and that you'll find some comfort in knowing you're far from being alone. Because with the right support, we can be truly amazing. It can get a bit gloomy in the ADHD sphere. I find the outlook is incredibly bleak when I read too many academic papers or spend too long trawling through Instagram. But interestingly, one of my first thoughts around my diagnosis was to think, oh, that's why I'm so awesome. Don't mistake that for arrogance, my friends. But what I felt like was that there are certain traits that are applauded alongside a whole bunch which obviously aren't. Some people call them the superpowers. And I guess it's what you see in the ADHD Hall of Fame. Cher, Simone Biles, Einstein even, if we believe in posthumous diagnoses. Well, there's one person who epitomises all that good stuff, and that's Caroline Hirons. Known for being one of the most powerful women in the beauty industry, Caroline is a skincare expert and aesthetician, chair of the Beauty Backed Trust, a favourite of ITV's This Morning, and author of the Sunday Times bestsellers Skincare and Skincare The New Edit, out now. And by the way, her skincare line Skin Rocks will soon follow. Caroline is also a loyal friend, fiercely loyal, a massive rock queen and a beloved nana. She was diagnosed with ADHD in 2020. Caroline, thank you so much for coming on Is It My ADHD? Thank you for having me. It's such a lovely pleasure to see you in your bright yellow jumper. Very happy days. (laughs) Just in case you miss me, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, So you absolutely fucking love having ADHD. I do. Well, I don't know the alternative. I don't know what it's like to not have a mind with 57 tabs open. So what is the alternative, you know? And obviously there are frustrations but they're minuscule compared to what I see as the uh, the bonuses of having a mind that it's it's almost like it's just permanently wound up. <laughs> That's how mine feels anyway, like it's permanently on the go. I don't understand people who like lying in a quiet room, for example, when they say, I'm just going to go and lie down and have some quiet. I'm like, why would you do that? Put the TV on. I need the distraction because the distraction of having the TV on actually makes me relax. Yeah. So I just embrace being back to front, basically. Wait, actually, what does that mean for you when you're having a facial or a massage or anything like that? Does that quiet in your mind or are you chatting? No, because I try not to have them. Oh, really? <laughs> I have. I can't do massage. I lie there thinking, oh, I'm wasting time. And facials I will go through, I will go for if they're machinery. So like I go and see my friend Teresa who zaps me because it's quick. It's, you know, she cleanses my face. She zaps me, uh, gives me a very quick massage. But we're talking through the whole thing. 
Yeah. The relaxation side, like a spa day for me would just be, you might as well just put me this torture. Yeah, fair play. What am I going to do? Swim for three hours? Come on. <laughs> so, okay. So with ADHD then, what's the absolute best part about it for you? I don't know. I mean, looking back, probably weirdly the impulsivity mm. because it led me to take risks that other people were like, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. So probably the impulsivity, which I can see as a negative if you're younger and it can lead you astray, obviously. But I was only diagnosed when I was, you know, a couple of years ago. So I've always kind of lived with it. And I see it now in my daughter. The impulsiveness is off the charts. She, All of my kids have it, but she is by far the most affected in that, in that scale. But equally, it's the thing that I embrace. Mm. So, And it's strange because it only really comes across in like business ideas and you know if someone said we were sitting on the sofa and Jim said I know let's go to a club I'd look at him like he'd literally taken leave of his senses (laughs) I'm not talking about that kind of impulsivity I'm talking about taking a risk or leaving a good job when you don't really have another one to go to but your instinct is I'll be absolutely fine that kind of thing because there's a difference right between spontaneity which actually I think some people with ADHD really struggle with because of Mm. the unknown and all that and then impulsivity which is the fuel that makes you say yes or makes you look outside of what you're doing currently yeah I've always trusted my gut Mm. which I think some people don't some people don't have the self-faith if you like and I've always trusted my gut because I always rely on myself so my gut has always said you'll be fine or don't do this you're a moron Mm. (laughs) but it it works for me I don't know I mean everyone is so different in the neurodiverse community but it definitely works for me I think that's the thing we want to understand as many of the different kind of presentations of it if you like so that we can kind yeah. of better understand what we're looking for in women and girls yeah. um do you what about fearlessness because that's I, I, my psychiatrist has, has told me that that's one of the things that I've channeled appropriately but obviously it can really really send you up the wrong path if you're sort of missing red flags and stuff like that and I suppose looking at the way that you've worked in terms of you know, you have taken risks and all of which seem to have paid off, but also the way that you step out and you go, right, I'm going to talk about the menopause now, which for some reason, some people find there's a block that they can't do it. Is fearlessness something do you think has come from ADHD that you've been able to channel successfully? I mean, I certainly channel the fearlessness successfully for sure. Whether or not that comes from the ADHD, I'm not sure. I mean, it might do. It might be that I'm just unaware, you know, like the blinkers around me don't really give me or I ignore signals maybe. I don't know. You know, I'm just very, I wouldn't say I'm gung-ho. I think certainly as I've gotten older, I'm much more, I've always been considered with my fearlessness. But I I would say it's made me, I think my general character is I'm not easily intimidated. Mm. My instincts, I think, are quite good. I mean, is it also a case of having the right people around you? Because obviously you've accrued like this amazing team of people. Is it is it that that sort of is there ever a person that needs to say, well, hang on a minute, what about this? Um, and equally, someone who lets you absolutely run with with your instincts. I think Jim is my okay, so I'll think about that. So where I am, like gung ho, Jim is like a sloth. He <laughs> walks slowly. He talks slowly. Like he moves like a. I always describe it as I'm like a speedboat, and all over the gaff. And Jim is like a very solid container, you know, freight cargo ship. So he has his path and he's very slow moving. And so he is that in more ways than one, the anchor. But he's also the one who, you know, when I've sort of been umming and oaring in the past about leaving a very good corporate job, he's the one who immediately says, ah, fuck him, you'll be fine. Go for it. So he's like my biggest champion, but he's also the one who gives me a look of like, okay, so do you think this is a good idea or blah, blah, blah. And, you know, sometimes I'll be like, no, you're right. 
and other times I'll just be like, yes, what are you talking about? Of course it is. <laughs> so it's, and now we're both, we both play those parts for our kids. Mm. You know, we can see some impulsive behavior in them and just think, yeah, I'm not too sure that's an idea. Why don't you think on it for 24 hours? And if you feel the same way tomorrow, we'll discuss it further rather than sort of trashing them, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think it's everyone needs a good anchor, I suppose. That's so interesting about the slow walking and slow talking because Rich, my husband, is exactly the same. And actually, sometimes I'm like, you're gonna oh, get my God. Out. Honestly, yesterday I was trying to get into the kitchen and he was in front of me and it was like being behind someone on an escalator. I was like, could you just move a bit quicker? Then like, sorry, love, do you want a cup of tea? Because I'm just like, everything's like this. Everything is almost like, you know, when you accidentally hit the button when you're listening to a podcast and it speeds up the voices. Yes. Which, by the way, I find that very strange. Why do people have that as, why would you want to listen to someone at two times? But that's sometimes what I'm like. And my daughter is absolutely like that. So poor Jim, for better or worse, he married me and got two of us because Ava is my double. Yeah. You know. And he's so, I think I was the practice for him being an excellent dad to a daughter with ADHD because he's so patient. You know, he's just, right, yep, okay, yep. And she's just like, dad, you know, relentless, dad. And sometimes she calls me and I go, can you call dad? Because I'm in the same zone as you right now and I can't deal. And she goes, okay, but I love you. That's brilliant though that you can that you can say that and you can identify that. You like you are very self-aware, aren't you? Of Oh, I'm very self-aware. Yeah. You know, it's kind of the funniest thing about when people sort of try and troll you online, you know, in the old days of blogging when you actually cared about what trolls would say. But I would look at it and I'd go, why would they think that they're telling me something I don't know? You know? It's kind of weird that someone would go, Oh, you're old. I'm like, Well, I'm older than you, but I'm not old. In terms of the traits that you're especially proud of, like whether it's yeah. your speed or the fearlessness or whatever, do, I mean, presumably you get trolled a little bit if you're being outspoken about something. No, I think it, I have certainly, the other thing about me is that I own it. So if I have yeah. blurted, because blurting is obviously something that we do. Mm. And if I have blurted and not and gone off on one and not really thought about what I'm saying, I either take something down or it doesn't happen often, thank God, and it hasn't happened in a while, but I either take something down or I'll say, my bad. I don't know what I was off. I was spiralling, you know, I was a dick. But it's, I'm very quick to recognise that that's what's happened. And you just have to deal with it. You know, I don't let it, I've kind of learned the learned behaviour of not letting that happen in like a corporate situation at a board table and things like that is very uh, instilled in me. So it doesn't really happen there. It's more if I just blurt something on Instagram or something, you know. So I just try and count to three and go, do I need to say this? Do Mm. I? Or is it going to mean that I'm going to be answering comments all day and not get any work done? And invariably these days, I'll leave it alone. Obviously, your diagnosis is very recent. How has that changed the way that you look at the challenges that you sort of overcome? Uh, It explains a lot of my anti-corporate behaviour. And when I say behaviour, I mean my unwillingness to participate in that corporate infrastructure. So turning down big jobs with big brands and things like that, because I just I would feel like an animal in a cage for sure. Because there's no, you know, the impulsivity that we are sort of challenged with is also, I think, what makes us brilliant. Mm. You know, if you look at people who have ADHD, they're generally leaders in sort of, you know, and I'm not saying it's only people with ADHD, but it's something we should definitely champion. And I just don't think there's room for that in the corporate world. You know, they may say, we want to have a a round table and we want you to tell us everything you're thinking. I'm thinking, no, you don't. You really don't want me to tell you what I'm thinking about your latest campaign, (laughs) you know. But weirdly now, I get, this is the bizarreness. I get sort of paid to consult for brands on a, you know, like a half day or a daily basis to tell them exactly what I do think. That's when it pays off. Yeah. Who knew? It's, it's crazy. But that's the that's the sort of thing. I mean, no one's doing that knowing that you have ADHD and thinking that's the thing. But it's it's something that you have channeled and you have successfully. You must have harnessed it because without any kind of harnessing, it's chaos, right? It's mayhem. Yeah. 
it's self-destructive all those things um yeah I mean obviously because now you have your own your own business and a team and everything have you sort of looked now at the team and thought subconsciously I was creating this sort of support network of people who would help me harness or make the most of those things for sure I mean I I'm surrounded by no people not yes people for number one my mum is the only yes person in my life and even she will say do you think that's a good idea and I'll go yes mum don't doubt me because it'll put doubt in my mind and she goes no okay of course yes of course dear you know but my team are you know they they all give me the look when I go guys I've had an idea and they kind of look at me like oh god what now but then invariably they make it work you know they make it work in a sensible fashion rather than just going at it with blinkers on so the team that you have around you have to sort of be able to support you in your I was gonna say madness but I don't want to put any I don't mean it in a literal sense just that you know what, what can sometimes be chaotic organized chaos yeah is yeah, what yeah. I like the mayhem the reason I got the diagnosis is because I sat down to try and write the book yes of course and I just sat in front of an empty page on the computer and I could not start I mean I just I can't look at an empty page and start writing so that's why I ended up with a diagnosis so in a way writing the book was what kind of led me down the path of diagnosis and it was it was never clearer to me you know I was just like oh yeah this is definitely ADHD mm. because you know we're not very good at looking at an empty page but what I'm great at doing is looking at a page that needs editing or you know so I sort of started by downloading the key blog posts rewriting them and I took it from there oh genius yeah but having to write something cold it's just the worst for me like I couldn't be uh, when people are like when's your next book coming out I'm like yeah it's not <laughs> well you said to me when the first one came out that's it and I and I just thought no 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 and sure enough the new edit is amazing yeah, no I you know it's it was really easy to do the new edit because the content was there and it needed tweaking and fixing right. and then when it came to expanding on the chapters I'd been talking about all of those topics for two years solidly because when I was doing live at five every day during lockdown that kind of really changed my sort of following and the way I think the way people watched Instagram lives for, for me. And so we did everything from puberty to teenage to pregnancy skin to menopause to chemo to long term illness like ME to lupus face. I mean, we talked about everything over the course of that like year to 18 months. So expanding on those chapters was really, really easy because it was all in my head and all ready to come down onto the page. Mask knee was easy because it's the one thing people have been asking me about for nearly two years. So it was okay. And, you know, bringing up to date information to something that you've written. So I treat it more like a manual, but sitting down and writing fiction. I mean, I don't read fiction either. It would kill me. I can't do it. Forget it. When, you know, Oprah's book club, it was the only time I haven't, any time it was Oprah's book club, I wouldn't watch. I'd be like, oh, this is nice, but I'm not going to read the book. I, I can't. I like magazines. You know, I like the New York Times. I like papers. I like instant gratification reading. I cannot sit. And it's also stuff that you can sort of, checklist and cherry pick isn't it do you struggle with things like board games and those kind of things it has to be something that challenges all of us like a trivial pursuit yeah it's fun but we all end up arguing because of course most of us have got adhd oh god of course yeah that's a game so it changer. becomes my poor husband just sort of sits there like oh christ <laughs> you know and we all get frustrated by him taking 10 hours to answer and he's so considered but even when he starts to like stroke his chin i'm already like could you just hurry up what's up oh my god <laughs> but uh is you know when we did a pub quiz, the kids would argue over who got to write the answers. I mean, it's just bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Because everyone wants to sort of keep their hands busy and their mind busy, and but no, it's good fun. I mean, we all get on brilliantly. So, but we like Jim's idea of hell would be sitting down to play Monopoly. 
Yeah. And he hates the game anyway. He's like, capitalist bollocks. But I... <laughs> yeah, of course. But I like, yeah. you know, I like a quiz. We yeah. all like quizzes. Things that sort of challenge our mind is good. It's just t- like taking it in turns as well. Like I'm I'm a 38-year-old woman and my nine-year-old is better at like chilling and waiting until it's her term. I'm like, I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to leave the room. I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to play on my phone. Oh, no. you know, it's that's nuts stuff that I really didn't, I didn't kind of think that was a real problem until I realized, oh, that's ADHD completely. Yeah. I mean, at least these days you can be on your phone while you're playing, right? Unless they think it's you're true. cheating, in which case you can't. But it's that, st- yeah, it's a stimulation, isn't it? That... I, I just I thought it was because I was an only child and I didn't really play a lot of board games as a kid and therefore I'm a bit of a brat. But actually, I mean, I am a brat for sure. But it's definitely, yeah, it's a it's a waiting thing. I'm so excited to announce that this podcast is sponsored by the first makeup brand I ever bought as a teenager, Benefit Cosmetics. I saved up for Benetint for weeks and that love remained strong when I became a beauty editor years later. Roller Lash is my absolute favourite mascara of all time. Gimme Brow Plus and Precisely My Brow are my go-to brow products and I still use Benetint on the daily. Makeup is something I reach for to give myself a moment to ground, to breathe and be in my own thoughts for a minute. Just like my own personal form of meditation that happens to help make me feel fierce. Benefit has remained a mainstay in my own routine for more reasons than one. I love the way Benefit connects customers with amazing causes and today is amplifying various voices around neurodivergence. I'll be working with Benefit not just on the podcast but they've also asked me to explore how the Benefit counter experience can be more accessible to those with brains a bit like mine. I'll be sharing the ways we're working together and would love to hear your thoughts on this too. I still can't believe I'm launching Is It My ADHD with my OG beauty obsession at the heart. It was just, I was textbook. And they said, you've obviously, you're an example of someone who has learned to just coping behaviours your whole life. And at times it must be very tired and overwhelming. And I said, well, I overwhelming sounds familiar to me. Being tired doesn't as much, but being overwhelmed very much does. But now I know and I take it as a treat for myself, mm. which sounds crazy because really it's just self-care. But if I'm overwhelmed, you know, if I think, oh, I've got too much to do and my, there's too much going on, I will literally make two cups of tea, lie on the sofa under a blanket, maybe make a fire, like if it was freezing cold, and watch a couple of episodes of like my favourite serial TV, whatever it is, or a film that I've seen a hundred times, and it's almost like rebooting my brain. Yes, yes. And then I'm good to go. There's a joyousness, right, to ADHD. Like, Mm. I feel like I'm full of joy. And in terms of looking for stimulation all the time, which obviously is our go-to, it's it's a nice thing, right? It makes you kind of a bit more demanding of people and situations maybe because you want like the best all the time. But for the people around you, that can be, I'm sure, challenging, but it can also be fucking amazing, right? Because you're fun and you're interesting and you maybe say things other people wouldn't want, wouldn't say, sorry. Oh, I definitely do that. Yeah. I definitely do sure. that. I think we all know I do that. Um, yeah, I just, I want other people to do well and feel good. And I don't want people around me to feel down and, you know, I don't want to bring misery to people but you know the other side of of course is the other side of ADHD is it can come with very serious you know like depression and Mm. things like that and I have you know a couple of my kids have struggled in that way one in particular and and it's awful to see that the struggle that they have with just dealing with having to do stuff so it's I'm aware of it but I have been very very fortunate in that I've never experienced it 
Do you, what does it actually feel like inside you when you're the excitable puppy? When say you've had an idea and you've taken it to your team and they're like, "Yes, Queen, we're going to do this," and it's happening. What's mm. the like? What are the physical sensations that you live with and enjoy through ADHD? Um, well, I know if I get like the adrenaline in my stomach that I've got a good idea. You know, that's always been the way that the best blog posts have been written. It's always been the way that the good ideas have come about. So if you know, if I sort of feel it, literally feel it in my gut, like the saying. Um, but yeah, I suppose it's just the excitement of, oh, we're doing something that maybe, and for me, it's terrible because I think I've learned all the lessons of what corporate would and wouldn't do. And so I say to people all the time, just do the exact opposite of what corporate would want you to do. That's probably what I'm going to want, you know? And so I feel like we champion a different way of working and collaborating. And I would hope, you know, I mean, we haven't lost anyone yet on the team. Everyone who started working for us is still with us because I like to think we, you know, bring out the best in people. And I say there's no idea that's too stupid. There's no question you can ask too often. And so the feeling I get is just the happiness of being able to bring out the best in other people. That's probably my favourite thing, whether that is people enjoying what their skin looks like for the first time in their life or getting satisfaction in their work or getting a well done from us or a bonus from me or, you know, I like bringing out the best in other people and I have no problem sitting down and letting other people shine. So I wanted to talk a bit about the beauty-backed trust um, mm -hmm. because obviously during the lockdowns, the beauty industry was kind of decimated in terms of the practical services that were on offer and everything shutting down. Um, and it was your tenacity as per that yeah. brought everyone together to say, right, we need to help these people and we need to challenge the government on this and all that kind of thing. You know, in, in that process, does that dominate your mind? Do you kind of shift into hyper-focus where that's the yeah, thing? Yeah, for sure. It's all I thought about for about a year. And how does that look in practical terms for you? Well, we were in lockdown, so I was at home and I would do my sort of work during the day, but then I was getting constant reports because basically what happened was the British Beauty Council, God bless them, and Babtac together were kind of trying to get the arsehole government to listen. And so I was getting regular updates from them. And one thing I cannot be as a politician, you know, people are always like, yeah, run for parliament. No, I cannot be a politician because I tell you now, Gracie, if I was stood opposite, you know, a sort of what I would call a posh Tory wanker. And he told me to mind my tone, I'd deck him. So I, I can't do the politics, but the British Beauty Council do the politics very well. What I can do is action. Mm. And so I was just so wound up. I was like, well, okay, you guys take care of the politics. I'm going to go and raise a shitload of money to make sure we can help the people that the government is just basically telling they don't care about them, you know. So I was very definitely hyper-focused and sort of in that galvanising zone. So is that kind of not eating, not, you know, not stopping to pee, kind of just... Yeah, you kind bash, of go, bash, oh, bash. God, why am I bouncing in my chair? Oh, no, I really yeah. need a wee. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> um, but I can still function when I'm hyper-focused. I kind of think, right, I'm hungry. But, you know, I'll be very easy. It's very easy to go, we're having takeout. I haven't got time to cook, kids. I'm yeah. busy. And they go, okay, great. They love it, you know. Um, but, yeah, I'm very much the action and the tangible, like, what can I do and fix now? I'm not good at the, let's have a meeting in three weeks and see how things stand. Because how things stand is that people were fucking starving yeah. and losing their houses. And that just, I couldn't sleep. I was just like, we've got to, you know, how do we get this money to them? What are we going to do? What I love about ADHD, and, you know, I mean, I love a lot of it, but what I really love is our lack of poker face, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that really benefited our kids when they were in school, because if they were bored in a lesson, there's no pretending. You know, they just, they would come home and I'd say, oh, I've got another letter from the school. They said, you're not paying attention. You haven't done your homework. And they'd go, it's boring. I know I'm going to have no need for 
some kind of ology in maths. Mm. In, in maths, sorry, I was going to say in bath, but um, I, I know I'm not going to do chemistry and physics. I mean, you know, the curriculum used to be the state curriculum. I don't know what it is now, but it was when Ava was doing it. It was you had to do a language. You had to do either French or Spanish. And her language teacher said, I don't think your daughter should be doing any language. <laughs> he actually said, and I'm going, my advice is going to be that she does something extra in the sport curriculum and we take her away from languages completely. And I think he thought we were going to be really upset and like that kind of, you know, helicopter parent. And I was like, excellent, excellent move. Well done. And he was like, thanks, sir. That is an you know, excellent he, move, isn't it? And he would just laugh and just be like, she's a force of nature, but I'm killing her spirit by trying to teach her Spanish. I love that guy. Mm. I had the, you know, I don't think she's fit for doing any languages. You should get a tutor. That was their advice. I mean, the big thing about ADHD is, you know, we know our strengths and we know our weaknesses. And so in hiring and running a business, I hire people to fix my weaknesses. Yeah. And I'm aware of my strengths. So the first person I ever hired and paid money to was an accountant before I'd even sent an invoice. Because I, I there's no way I can sit and do a tax form. Just shoot me now, yeah. you know. So I... <laughs> I just, and the best advice I ever got in the early days was take every job, you know, not, they weren't talking necessarily in terms of sponsorship because at the time I was consulting Then they just said, take every job and then you'll be able to whittle down what you do and don't want to do. Yeah. And that worked perfectly as well. So, you know, surround yourself with people if you're in a business who can, you know, support your weaknesses and play to your strengths. I mean, that's the thing with the kids. We've just played to their strengths. To play to their strengths, don't give your kid a tutor for three, four hours a week because they're shit at maths ask them all the time what do you love doing you know what do you love doing and that's something we did do you know so Ben's obsessed with music Daniel is obsessed with sport especially football he plays football nearly every day Ben's doing music at uni um Ava's sporty she has like three jobs all sport related she's a lifeguard a PT you know and Max is into gaming and he's literally doing gaming at college and then wants to do it at uni so I just thought the only thing I'm really passionate about is skincare it's the only thing I really care about and I think making that distinction in 2010 is what sort of sent the blog the way it went for sure because if I had done what everyone else was doing I probably would have been off and on the sidelines and still working as a consultant or in corporate because you know a lot of the people who were around 10 11 years ago there's very few of us still doing it but I think because I did have hyper focus and I you know was passionate about skincare it absolutely played to my sort of strength of having ADHD and just going I can't pretend to be interested in that I yeah. hate it yeah, yeah so I'm gonna do this but you also you know, didn't I'd... quit which is a big thing like yeah I, I quit in I started I think probably 2010 and I quit around 2010 like that's <laughs> do you know what I mean it and I think a lot of us did but I think that there was that sense of I mean I've started I think probably three or four blogs now and it's yeah it's not it's clearly not for me I'm not able to kind of keep up the <laughs> whatever it is that you need to keep up but I mean it's but it's interesting to me that that hyper focus for you I'm sure you've changed direction and you've changed the way that you do things and obviously you've added strings to your bow but you have kept going yeah it, I mean it's skincare it's evolved certainly I think you know some people I get messages every day saying oh I wish you'd still do your routines on Instagram for example but every time I and I do do them occasionally but every time I publish a routine now versus what I did for years in the early days it either gets immediately picked up by the brands. Even if I say underneath, I'm testing this, I don't really have an opinion on it. It either gets picked up by the brands as confirmation that it's amazing and they use it in advertising and I have to chase them down and go, please take this down. Or the customer will go out and blindly buy things. So I'm more careful about what I say, this is amazing. You know, if it is, I absolutely say it and it still has the same effect. But 
I'm just very, I've almost become wary of sort of speaking on skincare products sort of individually too much, too often, because I'm giving information to people, but I think it, I worry that it's seen as me just constantly selling. And that's sure. what it's become because that is a, that's the ramification of my approval is that it sells. Mm. But I'm not doing it for that reason. I'm doing it because there might be someone who's always been looking for a product that fixes X, Y, Z. And if I say this will work, it will sell out. But I'm wary of saying that because I don't want it to be seen as, you know, I'm not a charlatan. I'm not out here just trying to hustle and get money out of people. So that's why I started on, you know, for Skin Rock saying things like you need this, you don't need this if. Yeah. Which, you know, I'm sure big corporate would be horrified, you know, that someone's put putting on their pack. Yeah, you don't need this if. But look at it working. It works. Like, that's the thing, isn't it? Is that you have gone against, like, that corporate plan from the get-go, I think. You were saying, I don't really love this or, you know. Yeah. And I think brands now are cottoning on to the fact that that actually really, really 100% works. That kind of, um, it's an authenticity, isn't it, and an honesty. Yeah. You know, and sometimes that doesn't work well for me. If I say you don't need this on a box, it may not sell as well as another box. Sure. I mean, I say it on all of them, but if the reasoning is that something, someone can, you know, if I say, you know, you've already got 55 acids, they take that verbatim and like, okay, I won't buy it then. When actually it's a great kit, you know? So, but I would rather be honest and live with the consequences than lie and live with that sort of deceit. I'm not, I can't lie. I have no poker face. I think that's the other thing, isn't it? It's, it's the lack of being able to let things go which is a really great thing for us because it means, I mean, for example, you you know, with Beauty Backed, that's 100% yeah. because you couldn't let go of that and you were empathising. Yeah. But it can also, it can be, it can be a bit of a burden, can't it, if there are certain things that you can't let go of. Yeah, important things. I think I'm very good at letting go of things that I know are either of no consequence or actually on the scheme of things aren't that important. You know, I don't chase every last pound if people owe me money. It's that kind of you know, I let things go, but I, what I won't let go is things like the government completely decimating our industry and giving it zero support. You know, if you're, let's say you're a self-employed beautician or makeup artist and you had the audacity to have a baby within the last three years before lockdown, you weren't entitled to a penny. I mean, it's unbelievable. It still gives me rage. It still makes me want to punch people in the face. Yeah. So you can't really do that in a civilised society. So I thought, OK, well, let's just give them money. Let's find money for these people. And so. Yeah, that I wouldn't let go and I still won't let it go. You know, I get invited to things. I'm like, nah, don't put me within 10 feet of a Tory minister. Thank oh you very God. much. I mean, you are just going to have to tread a really fine path not to bump into one, though, because they're trying to ingratiate themselves now in our in our biz. Yeah, they can kiss my ass. Yeah, I can't. I really want to be there for that, please. <laughs> um, Genuinely hope it doesn't happen. I don't have time to be arrested. <laughs> no, fair enough. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Caroline. I feel like... It is just really uplifting hearing you talk about it because there is so much of it that makes you feel when you're, especially when you're first diagnosed, like, oh God, what am I going to, like, how am I going to move forward from it? And, you know, what's the future looking like? And I think if people can look at your, you know, your present and your future and just think it could go a really good way. Yeah, I think, you know, having the confidence in yourself, don't pretend that you're interested in something if you're not. Don't be persuaded by your parents to take X, Y, Z course in school or college if you know you'd rather sort of headbang the wall than sit in the class. Follow your passions because that's where you're going to find your hyper focus. And listen to your kids. If you're, you know, if you're someone who has a child who's recently diagnosed, it's not a death sentence. No. My brain just works differently to yours. Screw you. You know, I used to joke and say, if you can't keep up with me, Brian, that's not my fault. 
Well, it's because it's actually, it's society that kind of uh, is not accepting of some of the traits, right? So, or rather doesn't yeah. make the most of those traits. So it's up to us to kind of make that change. Yeah, it's not harnessing what could be brilliant about an ADH mentality. Yeah. You know, it's kind of trying to make it fit into a box, which is something that we will always push back on. Thank you so, so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I'm very grateful for your time and your joy and your excellent energy. Thank you for having me. We now turn to an expert. Today, it's Dr. Mohammed Abdelghani. He is a lead consultant psychiatrist specialising in adult ADHD, both for the NHS and at his private practice, Dyad Medical, in London. When it was first suggested that I might have ADHD, I wanted to find a psychiatrist that had run an NHS service and a private practice, just to make sure that they'd seen the full spectrum of what ADHD can look like in a woman. Dr. Mohammed Abdelghani was one of the first people I spoke to, and his kindness and openness immediately made me think of him for the podcast, because I know that he'll offer so many of you such comfort. And so I'm so thrilled to have him here today to decipher, is it my ADHD when I nag my partner to do things around the house immediately? So uh, <laughs> a couple of counsellors might not be very happy with me saying this, uh, but, but yes, it might be because of many different reasons. But if we look at, uh, on this problem from an ADHD lens, yes, it might be. And this might be because of many different reasons. So someone might be nagging their partner to do something immediately, not because they want it to be done immediately, but because they are afraid that they're going to forget about it. Yes. So, so it comes to your mind and you think, you know what, if I don't ask him to do this or ask her to do this now, it's not going to be done. And the other person might not understand, but like, I can do it later. And the person nagging might know that, yes, I know that you can do it later, but it's not the problem about doing it or how urgent it is. It's about me forgetting about it because I kept forgetting about it for the last five days, it crossed my mind and then I forget about it again. And this causes a lot of uh, uh, relationship difficulties if the other person does not understand how the brain of the person they are living with, with ADHD actually uh, works. The other point is um, uh, people who's ADHD, uh, they cannot let go easily. It's one of the things that we ask about. So when they are, uh, one of the symptoms that we ask about. So when, when they're on something, they cannot let go. So when they doing something or even when they're having an argument, they cannot let go and they need to get to the end of it uh, because of many different reasons. So this is the tip of the iceberg, but the iceberg itself, it's a lot of the other problems that comes with ADHD with the inattention, hyperactivity and uh, impulsivity. And because we mentioned this, this is why it's very important. And we try to encourage people who are diagnosed with ADHD to um, psychoeducate their friends, their family, their partners about ADHD. Because people with ADHD, they can be very fun to live with. They are very creative, but at the same time, it can come with a price. And if the person knows who's living with someone who is ADHD, that when they nag me, they're not actually telling me off they are not actually uh, mean that I must do it right now. Because if, for example, I imagine the partner say, okay, you know what, I'm going to write it down. I'm taking the responsibility of this. I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to do it before the end of the day. I think the person nagging in a lot of situations, they might ca calm down and hopefully let go. And I'm just going to use this opportunity. I'm ag I agree with all of that, obviously. And you are the expert. However, if my husband could just put the clock up right now, <laughs> I'd know what time it was. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just putting it out there. <laughs>
thank you so much for joining me and this community of amazing people. We'd love it if you could follow Is It My ADHD wherever you get your podcasts from. And now I'd love to hear from you. What other perspectives would you like to see explored in future episodes? Find me on Instagram at Is It My ADHD to continue the conversation. <laughs>